<laughs> that it'll be quick. <laughs> your your insurance will be purchased before the, before the song finishes. Welcome to the Instec London podcast. Matthew Grant here, and for this week's episode, I am talking to the CEO and founder of our corporate member RDT, Mark Bates. Mark comes from that group of what I call the hidden insurtechs. Despite being going for over 20 years, Mark and RDT have the energy and continual search for innovation that many seem to think can only exist in a startup. They're providing software to fast-growing insurers, and given Mark's own background in software, it's no surprise they're tapping into the latest ideas for customer engagement, claims management, and efficiency. Our chat ranges from Nuclear Bunkers to Ed Sheeran. Uh, We're also delighted to be running an Instec London event with RDT in March 2020. Mark, welcome to the Instec London podcast. I've uh, recorded podcasts in many locations, but I think this is the first one I've actually been recording in what I think we are four or five levels below ground in the A Club. Uh, what what brings you into this uh, this this place? Well, firstly, it's safe. <laughs> if there's uh, anything goes wrong upstairs, um, and no, I mean this is a really nice club actually, and the sales guys um, use this. Uh, because it's a really good meeting place for customers in the in the city. You've got a very well appointed nuclear bunker. You've got comfortable chairs and uh, and lots of coffee and drinks on tap. So I think we should be okay for the next thirty minutes or so. So let's let's talk a little bit about RDT. Now you were founded back in nineteen ninety one, but as we've spoken about, you've still got the feel of a youthful startup, and I mean that in a, a complimentary way. Uh, can you just talk a little bit first of all about what it is RDT? Does, and then we'll come on to talk about what it was that motivated you to start the company uh, all that time ago. RDT was um, founded originally to provide software for the insurance industry and it's just continued ever since um, and now we've moved into managed services. Um, the, the software itself has expanded out significantly in terms of the type of customers that we support. And what was it that, that led you to launch it back in '91? I was actually working for Bank of America, analysing sort of software, how the software could be, um, new software could be used to improve efficiency within the bank. And I was approached by actually my dad's business partner who asked me to um, do a bit of moonlighting and evaluate systems that were available because they needed a new system uh, to run their insurance syndicates. So I had a look at a number of them. I mean, they were all uh, mainframe based green screen type solutions that's kind of all that was around in 91 I had seen some of the work we'd done for the bank um, one of the dealing systems that we had produced which was um, windows based it was color <laughs> um, and at the end of the selection process uh, my dad's business partner said to me no, no, really I just want you to build us something um, didn't go down too well with my dad um, he was a bit concerned about the whole thing, um, but yeah, history's history's proved that it, it was a reasonable decision in the end. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, just looking at your your financials, you've got a uh, you've got a very successful company. I guess by that definition alone, you you no longer qualify as a startup because you're actually you're making money and you've got some quite good good margins in there. Yeah, and we've got about a hundred and got nearly one hundred and fifty staff now. We're in several countries, so yeah, it's a, it's a lot different to to the way it was when it was uh, three of us. Um, next door to a chip shop 
So I know Marker Study is one of your main clients. They've been growing quite a lot in the last few years. I think you've been uh, yeah, sort of growing, growing alongside them. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you do with them and then any, any of the other main companies that you're able to talk about? Yeah, so um, Mark Study, we love Mark Study um, for numerous reasons. Um, one, because um, they enjoy partnering with people and, and they, they encourage us to um, come up with ideas that they can either use or not use um, and we work very hard with them to help them achieve their growth aspirations, uh, which is significant. And in turn, that just helps us, to be perfectly honest. Um, so that it's a relationship that's been going now for about eight or nine years. I believe when we started with them, they had about 30 or 40 staff. Um, I think in the whole group now, there could be up to 5,000 maybe. So it's a massive increase from where we, where we were. Probably only about 1,500 of those use the insurance platform but still a massive shift from 30 or 40 that uh, were using it um, when they started. Um, Marker Studies, a MGA providing primarily motor insurance, is that right? That's correct, although those lines of business are going to start to expand now with the acquisition of co-op, so um, motor. But they also they also have insurance companies that provide gadget insurance, pet insurance, um, so there's, there's quite a wide range of, of products that they offer. Okay, and so your technology sits on the cloud, uses Azure uh, as the uh, solution out there, but can you just talk a little bit about how that actually provides services to, to market study? So uh, originally the platform was provided to them and Mark Study would... Um, Mark Study hosted that platform themselves. Um, so we provided the software, they run the platform. Um, for co-op, we're running the platform in the cloud for them. So we actually have a managed services company now anyway. Um, so that's a new customer for us um, on that platform. Um, and, and to be honest, that's, that's the way that, that we see the whole market moving. I think all of our customers, or the vast majority, will be on, on that managed service um, within the next few years just because it makes financial sense um, for, for everybody and we can deliver change so much quicker to them as well. And as, in addition to market study, who else are you, are you working with? Um, we've got a number of customers so um, some of the more significant ones um, RAA, Royal Automobile Association in Adelaide um, they are the largest insurer by far in that part of the world I think they've got 50 or 60 percent of the um, uh, people in who drive in South Australia use RAA for their insurance. So it's a significant market uh, percentage that they have. Um, so they use our platform for managing their household, travel, and um, motor books. Um, so that they're they're a big customer for us. Uh, we have our uh, high net worth support um, for Direct Line is on Landscape. Um, uh, customers such as uh, Kitsune, who are a new MGA, uh, and we've been working with them for a couple of years. That's a really interesting customer for us. That's all uh, managed service, sits in the cloud, um, very quick to change, um, quick to deploy. So so that uh, was a really good proof point for, for the new managed service when we set it up. And just on RA, when we were talking earlier, you mentioned that increasingly you're seeing or you're actually building out capability for third parties to 
integrate into your solutions themselves and I think RAA are actually using some of your APIs and, and sort of interoperability to be able to do that, is that right? Yeah, I mean I think the way the market's going to move over the next few years is that we're going to see um, a big shift towards insurance platforms that become more and more open, albeit that in a secure and managed way. Um, third parties really should be able to access the insurers or the MGAs or um, solutions so that they can service their customers more effectively. So one example of that is um, RAA themselves, they are using all of uh, Landscape's functionality but they are exposing a lot of that via their websites. So because we have a complete set of services now um, that allow you to manipulate the functionality within Landscape, um, they hook into those and it's a really quick and efficient and secure way of them building their websites. And Landscape is one of the products you offer? So, So Landscape is the is the administration and claims platform that sits behind all of that and it's really um, the APIs the services expose that functionality so because RAA have such a big website and they have so many products and information for their customers they have a content management solution so it's quite quick for them to build the front end for the web but then they need a secure way to hook through into the back end administration system um, so, for example, if they wanted to build a um, FNL solution, which they're doing at the moment, allows the customer to register a claim. They've done that using the content management system, and that just seamlessly hooks in to the back end system, so it can validate the customer. It can take details of the claim. It it already knows if that claim is valid against the terms of the policy, and it can set the next steps up automatically. It can tell the customer if it needs any more information. Um, yeah, so, so that's that's how these platforms are starting to open up now uh, to make it's the journey and the efficiency for the end customer has to become more and more um, slick, basically. And FNOL, for anybody not familiar with that, it's first notification of loss. That's correct. And just, we talked about legacy earlier on, but what's what are you seeing today with regards to how companies are choosing to both deal with the existing legacy in terms of choices they've got about how do, how do they use to use new technology to replace that or are they bring, running out new technology and, and living with the old legacy but you know, sort of trying to build out the new propositions on the new technology but still can't totally get rid of what they've had before. So it's interesting, there are various um, products available now that help people get over the legacy situation. However, it's not a complete answer. So a robotic process automation, you can build something really quite nice um, and slick for the customer or for the for, you know a broker portal or whatever it is you choose to build. And then you could use um, some process automation to effectively, it's like a very slick screen s- scraping and, and automation. It looks like somebody's keying stuff into the back end system, basically. Um, it's not... Uh, it's not as deep an integration as you could do and ideally you would want to do but it does give people a way out of the of the current problem which is if you're not offering slick solutions you really are going to struggle I mean the analogy I use is Amazon so we have high streets which are now pretty much deserted and 
if you can go online on your phone, so I need this, this, and this, and it's going to arrive sometimes more quickly than you can get in your car, drive, find what it is you want, and come back again, the whole paradigm has changed, and you need to be able to do that to compete. And if you don't, that's when you end up with empty shops. So the same is going to be true for all types of business, I think, and insurance is no different. So the the equivalent for an insurance company will be they'll have their their floors where previously they had hundreds of people building code and supporting historic systems will now be the kind of the equivalent to the the high street today with lots of empty desks and uh, <laughs> board board well, kitchens. I think actually what's interesting is the investment that you need to make in technology and the people that you need that, that has probably increased. Um, it's becoming easier in a lot of respects to build more sophisticated applications, but you can't stand still. You have to keep pushing forward. So um, if you don't, ultimately you're, you will be selected against. So the, the buying process is very important. The claims process is very important. It's not just that though. The more information you know about somebody, the more accurately you can price, the more accurately you can handle their claim. Um, You've got much better insight um, into the individual to know whether or not your price is correct, whether the claim is valid. If you're not putting that into practice, your competitors are, you will get selected against. And your competitors will leave you with people they don't want to insure. And it will be subtle though. You won't necessarily see it coming, and I think there will be casualties. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely watch that space. Uh, so, Mark, one other thing that struck me when I was talking to some of your colleagues at RDT was a comment that your servers run 50 million or more queries in a single day. I think it was even from a single client. And you know, first of all, that seemed to me a little bit far-fetched because that would imply almost that every person in the country was hitting your servers. Um, every day but actually as someone explained what was going on with technology I sort of understood it slightly more but can can you just explain make sure I get the same story from you about what you know why there are so many calls on on your servers in an individual day okay so any given insurer um, if you centralize your rating um, process and it's the only way really to understand what is happening um, with your with with the purchasing side of your business so you need to see everybody and the details of everybody that's getting a quote and you need to be able to accurately price. So I think gone are the days where you can distribute your rates to people and allow them to make those decisions because you don't really see the data for on what they're basing those decisions. You'll get an EDI message that will come in, but there is so much data that is used to enrich the data that the client gives you in order to price accurately, um, that centralizing your process means that anybody that you are giving the paper to, so if you do a deal with a third party that says you can sell our insurance product and here is the net rate, you can charge what you like, you can undercut that price if you like, or you can go above that price. If you can make money on add-ons, such as legal protection or, you know, other 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 add-ons. If the broker can make more money doing that, then they can sell your product actually at a loss against that net price. You don't really care. 
But when that broker sends the information to you, you need to be in control of that and send the price back. So what's happening is you're seeing when someone goes to an aggregator, they might get three or four, five, six quotes come back. They're all different quotes. They're all different brands, but it can be the same insurer that sits behind all of them. So already you might have five or 10 quotes come back for an individual that's the same insurer. Then when you add to that the fact that you say, well, what excess do you want? And you have slidey bars on the website and somebody said changes their excess, you get hit with 10 more requests. So 10 more answers have to go back. And so it goes on and on and on. So that's the reason that you see so many quotes. The benefit for the insurer is that they end up with billions of quotes in their big data store that they can analyze. So they can actually see the way people change things how they manipulate things to achieve a better price and they can use that information um, to improve the customer experience as well. Yeah, and it's a really interesting use of data. I think most people when they think about data that insurance companies have, it tends to be on the actual policy data or it's on the claims data, but that's that's a Google-like way of looking at what people are doing in terms of asking the questions. Absolutely, and to be honest, you shouldn't really have to ask the questions at all because you know pretty much everything you need to know you can obtain from uh, various sources uh, electronically. People sometimes just don't remember. It's not they're trying to evade. It's not they're trying to get the price pushed down. They don't remember. If you have got access to that information, why ask that question? Identifying the individual and the item that they want to ensure, that is the only information you need. Yeah, and it's definitely a bit of an arms race going on just now, particularly, I think, in property, to get information about individual buildings so that you, so the insurance company can offer a quote to an individual confident they've got enough information about the building. Uh, I guess the challenge still is whether that original data is going to be good enough and it represent reality enough and, and therefore the right data to use to give the price. But certainly that's kind of where the industry is moving. Yeah, and, and you know, we, we've spoken to enrichment providers and, and work with enrichment providers who have obtained that kind of information from surveyors' reports. So every surveyor report for every bank or lending institution that takes place on a daily basis, those surveyors' reports are digitised and that data gets updated. So it's a pretty sophisticated system now. And Mark, you also released uh, an app as well that I believe is white-labeled for your clients to use. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, so it's interesting, I think, the app because it um, it kind of shows you all of the capabilities um, of a good um, integrated solution exposed for a customer to use um, and get really slick, um, not only purchasing but also claims handling. So um, the app is called Trice and um, it allows you, for example, to get motor insurance and you only have to answer, I think it's six questions. Um, For short-term motor, I think it might be five questions. So you put your name, your postcode, the... um, the last few digits of your driving license, it works the first bit out, and the registration number, and bang. You've, and the reason it can do that is because of the data that it's pulling from sources all around the world uh, to find out about the individual, the vehicle, um, or the house, or the, um, you know, the destination you're flying to, if it's travel insurance. Um, and it allows you to buy with literally Apple Pay, uh, Google Pay, 
thumbprint and it's done and it takes seconds and that's that's a really interesting use of technology um, and it, it just demonstrates I think a lot of the things that we've been talking about. And so anybody wants to go and see Trice in action how should they find it? Uh, the easiest way uh, triceinsurance.com um, and that either on the web or the app they work exactly the same you can get your gadgets travel motor household etc and then just like talk a bit about voice so that's that's often talked about or increasingly talked about as the, the next big development for insurance are you doing anything in that area for your clients recently we launched an alexa solution so now the customer can ask alexa what is my insurance excess um, when does my policy expire um, I'd like to register a claim so um, the voice recognition is really good actually and this is if you have a sophisticated set of services that will return the information in a secure manager a manner that is being requested you can put all manner of front ends on that um, and Alexa the Google voice product there they are all um, quite straightforward actually to integrate um, we can also push notifications back so when somebody gets home uh, Alexa will be flashing yellow so you say Alexa read my notifications and it will say you need to send a copy of your driving license or your car is ready to be collected from the repairer so we can push uh, notifications out so it's um, it's interesting. It's it, it's just the way things are moving forward, and we're constantly pushing those kind of uh, development boundaries as hard as we can. But a, a technology question for you: so, that, I, does that imply that somebody has to have already set up their Alexa to actually work with the insurance company? Because I just to experiment before we had this discussion, I went and asked my Alexa to go and buy car insurance, and the response I got was playing songs by Ed Sheeran. <laughs> um, yeah, so in that instance, you do. Because it's, because it's accessing data that's personal to you, so about your excess or your when the policy uh, expires or needs to be renewed. Um, so you have to um, hook your Alexa account into your insurance account. So you do have to go to a web screen and then it will give you, you set a PIN code up um, to protect that data. Okay, well, when in, in 2020 I, I go and ask my Alexa to play an Ed Sheeran song and it, and it, and it directs me to go and buy insurance from Marcus Study, I'll come back and ask for my uh, royalty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the good that it'll be quick. <laughs> your, your insurance will be purchased before the, before the song finishes. Mark, you mentioned a bit earlier you have over 100 people now in, employed in the company. You've definitely, as I said, got that feeling of. Uh, still got the kind of energy and enthusiasm of a startup company how, how do you how do you keep things fresh and how do you how do you yourself stay stay fresh after all these years i just love technology and i love seeing and thinking about the way you can apply technology to change things i think the developers love playing as well they like using new technology so it keeps them entertained and it keeps them fresh as well we love customers who themselves are aggressive or forward thinking in terms of technology and how it can help their business because it, it makes everything so much we all work together so much more as a partnership when that's the case have you seen a shift in how your customers or potential customers are thinking about technology technology is is tricky because 
especially when you have large, be they legacy or otherwise, systems, because people have to test, they have to prove things, it's quite difficult for them to test um, off to one side and then feed that into the main solution if, if, if it works without vast cost. Um, it's put the brakes on many good projects. I think that's starting to change. Um, people know they have to change and they're starting to change the underlying solutions that mean they can be more flexible because they have no choice. So you go back four or five years ago, we were talking to insurers about hosting their systems in the cloud. Everyone thought it was a bad idea. No one wanted their data in the cloud. It was like, there's no way. Now people are actually coming to us saying, this is really good. Could you do this for us? So there's been a big swing, I think. And, and what about at the board level or the CEO level? Because it seems like one of the challenges is as technology keeps moving and no CEO can hope to keep up with it. They've got to rely on their CTO or CIO to make the decision. Are you seeing that they're starting to a combination of more confidence in their team to make the right decisions and they themselves are getting better understanding? You mentioned cloud, for example. So yeah, there are still some issues with cloud that was almost certainly a, a skepticism in the past because people didn't understand the security, didn't they're worried about the access to it. But generally, at that at the level of people who are making decisions and also querying their team who are making decisions, are they better educated now in how to move forward? Or is it still a basic challenge? People don't really understand enough about the options they've got to be able to make the decisions themselves. Across the various insurers we work with, the insurers we speak to, there is a range of understanding and opinion. So there's everything from insurers that totally understand where things are moving. If you have software that has all the testing built into the software itself so that when you release something new, if that is hosted in the cloud somewhere, it's a bit like with your phone. The software just updates. You don't really question it. You don't sit there and say, oh, well, I'm not going to use this now, um, or I'm going to stop it installing it. I'm going to install it on a different phone. I'm going to test it when I'm 100% sure. You just expect it to update and work. And now that you can get to that for enterprise-grade commercial software, I think there are definitely some insurers that see that now. And they, they can see how fast it enables them to make change um, and, and to start to push boundaries. There are other insurers that don't see that yet, but I think that's a journey that everyone has to go on because it's quite a leap of faith. Um, you have to see it working a few times. And, and hopefully the boards of insurance companies won't have to rely on their uh, teenage children to help them with the upgrades to their iPhones, I guess, on this thing. Well, that's, yeah, this is why I believe that partnerships are important because to a degree you have to trust your partners because there's no way we struggle to keep up with change, um, which is why partnerships for us is important with technology partners. So the insurance company or the in brokers or whoever it is, they're really going to struggle to keep up with change. What are some of the themes that you find particularly interesting from a technology perspective or, or indeed from an, actually from an insurance side as well? I think interconnectivity, the ability for one system to talk to another, to manipulate another system, um, is going to become really important. As you look out there then, the people you choose to partner with, do you see a lot of choice now about potential partners out there? 
There's some really good companies out there uh, who are specialising in high-tech areas that then need to feed back into the main insurance ecosystem. And, and we can't do all of that. It's pointless us trying. So our focus has been to make sure our system is open enough to integrate very quickly um, to those players. Um, so that's, that's our big push, really, for 2020. And Mark, you've uh, signed up as a corporate member of Instead London. Thank you very much for that. And actually, you're also going to be uh, sponsoring one of our events next year on lessons to be learned from technology in the motor world. Um, what was it sort of after all this time out there and obviously some great successes not only growing your own companies but actually working with companies that themselves are growing that you felt it would be useful to get involved with a community like ours so we love technology we love working with the insurers so we just go on and do that so historically we've not been amazing at self-promotion this works for us on two levels so firstly it tells people what we do but more than that, um, it introduces us to other partners in this space. And, and if we go back to what I was saying about integrating with those um, insure tech players, that's very important for us. As you said before, insurance and technology. Um, but having said that, because of the pace of change, there is definitely a split now between the um, back-end platforms and the really cool tech. And it's merging those two things together um, it's be- going to become more and more important. So that's why um, Instech London was an important um, step for us to take, I think. No, well, thank you, Mark, for that. And I think you know, there, is opp- there is a potential to build, I was going to say the dark web version, but it doesn't sound quite right. But there's, you know, the, the problem with InsureTech, as it has been defined for the last few years, is it tends to have given too much focus to large amounts of funding, you know, disruption, and disruption is, has got its place, but it is also at the same time almost totally overlooked people like yourselves, and there are many other organisations out there that are frankly just getting on with it and building great solutions with great partners. And certainly one of the, the things we're doing more of in 2020 is surfacing those companies, both those within insurance and those from outside of insurance, that are actually uh, you know, building the technology and doing the work and making the changes. So, you know, it's great to have you as, as part of the, the community and actually to be able to do more with you into the course of next year. Mark, thank you very much. Thank you. RDT are one of over 100 corporate members at Instech London, and we're working with almost every leading insurer in the UK, as well as many of the best technology companies, new and old. So come along to our events if you're in London. Uh, look us up on www instec.london for our schedule or find me on LinkedIn or just drop me an email at matthew at instec.london and finally not forgetting Insurance Insider for their support take a look at the episode notes for a link to their website and a free copy